0: Yes, absolutely.
1: Dating a relationship relationship coach, like, how did we get there?
0: Mm-hmm. So, um, I guess you can say it started many years ago. Mm-hmm. I've always had uh, strong opinions in regards to dating and relationships and the way that men and women interact with each other. So, I think some of those ideas have always been polarizing, I've gotten into debates in college, which is like 13 years ago about dating and relationships. So that would probably be the initial seed. And then from there, I was involved in a relationship with a gentleman for four years and he was either unable or unwilling to commit. I don't know which one and I'm not here to judge. Either way it goes, I wasn't getting what I wanted, right? Which was a solid commitment. And at that time I was looking for engagement, looking for, let's buy a house together, something that showed that we both have some skin in the game and we both have intentions of moving forward in our lives together. Again, he was either unable or unwilling to give me what I was looking for. And so I made the decision after four years to cut my losses, right? To learn from that experience and move on. Now, I did go to school for counseling. I have a master's degree in counseling. I have a master's degree extension in mental health counseling. And so I developed like my own process on how to get over this breakup. So the first thing that I did was I self-reflected, okay, like what did I do wrong? And that's always been my approach in everything. I'm not the person who's gonna throw blame and blame everybody for everything that goes wrong in my life. I played some role, sometimes it's significant, sometimes it's insignificant, but everything that's ever happened to me, I played some role. And so the first thing I need to do is, well, what did I do wrong? In this relationship that led me to four years later and having absolutely nothing to show for it. So that was step one. Uh, step two, after I self-reflected and I had my, my laundry list of what I did wrong, now we need to talk about what am I gonna do differently moving forward. So one of the things was I was I was very argumentative, right? I'm I'm a naturally argumentative person. I'm naturally um very opinionated. That's who I am, and so Even though that is who I am, that doesn't mean that that is what I need to be forever. And it doesn't mean that I can't be mindful of when and where to use it. So if I'm ever in a situation where I'm in court, no one's gonna beat me, right? I'm gonna have the evidence, I'm gonna have the logic, I'm gonna have the reason, I'm gonna have the words, I can articulate myself. But I don't live in a courthouse. And so if I'm in a romantic relationship with someone, I don't need to be my own lawyer. I need to be mindful of when and where to use the skill. It's a valuable skill to have, but it doesn't mean that I need to use it actively in my romantic life. So that was one of the many examples of what I did wrong, right? And now the second part is the self-reflection, I'm stepping up. How am I gonna change these behaviors that are unattractive? And this is not an effort to get back with my ex, I'm done. He's not willing or able, that's it. This is an effort to improve me so that I can attract more qualified and more quality mates moving forward so I can get what I want, which is the nuclear family, marriage, a house, financial security, um, building a foundation for my family moving forward, making sure that my children are good, they don't have to struggle, right? Like all those things. So now self-reflection, step up, working on becoming a better version of me, and then sitting back, like allowing love back in, dropping the walls of defense, so that I can see when there are opportunities for me to date and not say, men are terrible. They're not going to treat me well. I'm just going to worry about, I'm just going to do me as they say. I'm, you know, having blinders on. Like, you do actually have to date. You have to be pleasant. You have to be welcoming. Like, that's all of the sitting backs. That's the process I created for myself in that. And then, so we fast forward about two years later, I met a guy. He's amazing. Became engaged in less than a year and a half, got married. Then COVID hit. And I was working as a school counselor for the city. And the city, for the first time ever, because especially in the United States, it's all about get yourself a city job, get yourself a state state job. You're gonna have job security. You're gonna have a pension. You're gonna have insurance, right? Like Those are all the big things that you want. And for the first time in my life, I've heard someone saying this person was the mayor who said we're going to be cutting back on city jobs i'm like man i don't have the level of security that we've been taught in this country for decades right um even entrepreneurship which is valuable is still like dangerous and risky are you sure like you might want to get you a really good city and state job and then approach starting a business right and then running both until you know that so the city and state job is it Like now we don't have the level. I think he said at the time, like they were looking to get rid of like 300,000 people. Like, hmm, I need to start a business that is going to allow me to have additional income because this job is not as secure as I think that it is. So if I'm going to start a business, what can I start the business around that I'm already naturally good at? Like, okay, I'm a natural speaker. One thing I'm good at is talking. People enjoy listening to me. Um, They relatively agree. Even if they disagree, they respectfully disagree. They can see my logic, they can see my reason, even if they don't agree with the premise. So talking is what I'm good at. This is my thing. What can I do with talking in a business? So the first thing I thought about was like motivational speaking, but I'm like, "Mm, I have to build like an audience first. Like, I'm not really sure. So then as I did my research, I said, coaching. Coaching is something that I can enter into as a low bar of entry certification class and you don't even have to be certified actually but that was important to me and then I can start with just one client and then grow that and then maybe eventually I can get into motivational speaking and speaking in in large audiences but coaching would allow me to get in without a lot
1: of effort so that's my story. Uh, Wow so a couple of things So you found yourself after a breakup so you, you sat you, you sat down and go, then you went okay. This is this is these are the things that happened, you know, mm-hmm. that could improve, and you took that into your next relationship. Yes. What what are some of the things? What you know, you, like in some of your content you talked about femininity and, mm-hmm. how, and how everyone defines that for themselves. And I, I'm interested, how do you define femininity, and how did that change? How did your breakup change that?
0: Yes. So that's an excellent question. I'll be 100% honest with you. I don't have an answer. I am still figuring out what it means to be feminine for me. I can give you some examples. Um, Like I think smelling good all the time is something that's feminine to me. Um, I think being concerned about your parents. So if that's hair and nails and the way that you dress and dressing in a way that complements your physique, um, I think that's feminine. I think speaking in a way that isn't aggressive. And again, some people might define that differently, right? Like some people might say, even my tone is still, I'm from New York. So I'm, you know, I'm not necessarily the most soft-spoken person, but speaking more strategically to get to your results, right? Not being as aggressive per se. So those are some of the ways that I define femininity, but I'm still working it out that there are so many elements. And there's some people who would say, no, that's not femininity. And femininity instead is um, you know being uh, motherly might be feminine to them, right? So there's so many different ways, but that's some of the things that I'm working on. Some of the things that I already have down pat, right? That that I know is important to me, and I feel like it it highlights the way that I am feminine. But it is true. Different people define femininity in different ways. Some women will say, "Oh, absolutely, I don't have to dress any particular. I don't have to wear heels to be feminine, but that's how I would define it."
1: You know? So yeah so what are some of the problems that the people face the people that come to you right now you know and thank god the social media you know you were able to reach um, thousands of people now you have over a couple of uh, thousands of people and they all they listen to you they get your message now you're already a speaker in some way or form right um so what is the common problem that they that they have when they come to you?
0: Yes. So even though I work with singles, both men and women, I seem to attract exclusively women. And so my uh, experiment, uh, my experience is based on women. So that's everything I'm going to answer moving forward. So the problems that women are facing on the dating scene is that one, they're finding that at least the men that they're attracting or that they're meeting are not interested in commitment, which was the same problem that I had. Right. So they're looking to see where things go and go with the flow. However, I'm in my 30s. My clients are in their 30s and 40s. If you want to have children or more children, and if you want to have children in wedlock, we literally don't have the time to go with the flow. So men are at an advantage where they can literally have children whenever they want. They could be 79 and laying in their deathbed and still have a child. Women aren't afforded that opportunity. And so as a result, we are pressed for time and we're not in a position to see where things go. We're not in a position to go with the flow. We're not in the position to build a year's worth of friendship to then see if we don't have time for that. Right. And so when we're coming across these gentlemen who say they want to go with the flow, automatically, I recommend my clients. Those are not men that you will consider, period. You're not going to even engage in a conversation because they are not where you are. We need to find gentlemen who are where we are, who want commitment, who are looking for marriage, if that's what the woman wants, or um, at least my clients want lifelong partnership. Most of my clients want children. Those are things that we need to inquire about immediately to make sure that these gentlemen at least want what we want. Now, it doesn't mean they want it with us. Doesn't mean we want it with them, but at a bare minimum, we're not even gonna engage in conversation unless we know that these gentlemen want the same things. So that's really the number one issue, finding gentlemen who want the same things that we want, which is usually marriage, or lifelong partnership and children.
1: Mm -hmm. What would be one advice that you you would give when it comes to attracting the ones you want, the ones who want to come in today?
0: Yes, absolutely. So what I advise my clients number one is you have to be what you want. Right? So how are you or it's going to be very difficult for you not impossible. It'll be very difficult for you to attract a gentleman that you don't have, that you want, that has particular qualities and you don't have them. So you want a guy who's very fit, let's say, right? Six pack and all triceps and biceps. And you don't go to the gym. You don't go to the juice bar. Your favorite meal is at the drive through at McDonald's. Where are you going to find him? Now, is it possible you can see him on the train? Sure, right, like maybe. But more likely than not, if there's something about a gentleman that you want, for example, a fit guy, he's probably gonna be in the places where fit guys are, which is where you need to position yourself to be, right? You wanna find a gentleman who is a professional. However, you don't work in a professional setting. Again, you could find him at the line in Starbucks, But more likely than not, he's going to be at social settings. He's going to be at networking events, right? And that's where you want to position yourself in order to find this person. You say that you want a man who who is a believer, believes in God, God God-fearing man. You don't go to church. You're not friends with people who are involved in the church. You don't do any kind of prayers. Again, you could find him in the line in Starbucks. But more likely than not, you both are going to be in a better position to communicate and to build and to get to each other if you're in the environment that these people are in. So I tell anyone, if there's a particular type of person that you're looking for, and you should have a list of the qualities, you need to become that person. Because one, you're gonna put yourself in a position to actually meet them, if you're in those circles. And then two, once you meet them, you want them to like you too. There's a lot of conversation about not finding quality men. A lot of women can't find quality men, can't find the men who want what I want. But my question to you is, if you were to find that man, would he want you? Do you exude the characteristics that you want? Do you want a man who's patient and understanding and blah, blah, blah? Are you patient? Are you understanding? You need to be those things because you might think that you can't find a quality man, but in actuality, quality men have been walking right past you all this time and they're not interested in you because you're not showing the qualifications that
1: he's looking for in a woman. Well, I'm sure there are younger people who are still part of your audience. And what would you say to them not to get to that where they are going, I need to. Within a year, we need to figure out. We need to be friends, you know, lovers, you know, skip the whole thing, you know, find out do you want kids? You know, like how? How? What? What would be your message to those younger ones?
0: Mm-hmm. So again, like I said, for me and my clients, we're thirty plus. I want to say probably the youngest person who's reached out to me was twenty one just the other day, and I told her that I am not the page for you. <laughs> like this, this is not just not where you need to be right now. You should be exploring and having fun in a safe way. You should be dating. You should be figuring out what you like and what you don't like. This is the time for the expiration because she's 21 now, but she's gonna be 29 at the blink of an eye. And then now is gonna be the time where I need to get serious. I need to date with focus. I need to date with intention. I'm not wasting my time dating people who aren't what I'm looking for. I need to work on me, right? But at 21 to expect that level of reflection where all oh, these are the characteristics that are, that are problematic, I think is a lot to ask. Like the, what is that? the cerebral fort, whatever text, the front of the brain is not even developed until age 27, right? So we're not in a position to even be that reflective. Right now, anything before 25, chill. Date, have fun, get to know people, learn your likes, learn your dislikes, begin to learn more about yourself as an individual. And then we can talk about dating in any serious manner honestly, like I wouldn't even really talk about that until about 27. At 27, this is a time where we're like, as for women, because remember, it's a short period of time if you want to have children, right? After 35, a woman who's pregnant, that's considered a geriatric pregnancy. She's considered old, right? To science. Mm -hmm. Um, So 27 is a time where I need to focus with intention. I need to date with intention. Anyone that I'm dating moving forward, if it's not for the purpose of a long-term a lifetime or a marriage commitment then this is not the right person for me.
1: So you wouldn't advise marriage for women before 27?
0: If they find the right one absolutely. I would not worry about and look for a coach and look for insight <laughs> online. I wouldn't guidance and I'm overwhelmed that I need help. I would not seek help before that time. But absolutely if if you find the love of your life at 25 and you know that this person is the right one for you then go full steam ahead. But I would not search and seek out help from any professional for dating and relationship advice. Now, if you've been through a traumatic life, right? Like a traumatic childhood and you've experienced loss and abuse, then you should seek therapy to work on you at any age. So if you're 19 and you realize I've been through a lot in my life, I need to process my emotions, then yes, go to therapy. But in regards to looking for a professional to help you in your dating and relationship life, I, I wouldn't do that before age 29. At 29, it's like, okay, I'm about to be 30. I'm limited on time. Maybe I need to seek out some professional help in dating and relationships.
1: Actually, 100% you would advise seeking professional help.
0: At 29, at least in, in America, right? So I know that this video is going to make it all around the world and back again. And so culturally, things are different. In some cultures, if you're not 24 and married, you're old. So in the U.S., I would say... For me, I would not be prepared to financially invest in a coach until about 29. I would say take dating seriously at 27. Mm -hmm. You're doing it for two years and you're not getting any kind of results. You're looking for around 29 because it's a financial investment. We're not free and we're not cheap. And so if you're going to be investing some coins, it should be not too late. You shouldn't be like 49 talking about I need help. But at the same time, you shouldn't be scraping together your last pennies at 24 looking for guidance on dating. You're still young, you have time.
1: Okay, so there's an opinion going around about femininity and how that's missing today. Uh, What's your opinion on that?
0: So I actually just posted a video yesterday that has become a bit controversial, Mm -hmm. um, both on Instagram, more on TikTok, in regards to where I think the blame should be placed. So my opinion is that a lot of the, many of the modern women, women of today, have lost their femininity out of survival mode. So I need to survive in this world. I am not in a position to worry about my hair and my nails. I'm not in a position to worry about if my tone is appropriate. I'm not in a position to worry about, you know, being softer. I need to be aggressive in this modern age because I don't have a male partner who's gonna help to balance the two. I think that women have been put in a position to become more masculine because of a lack of masculinity around them. I think that there's been um, a lot of absenteeism with fathers in the household. And so mothers have become both mother and father, right? And so when you're becoming both mother and father, both the masculine and the feminine, then you are gonna teach your daughters that, and and I think rightfully so, because survival matters more than femininity or masculinity. Don't rely on anyone. You better get a good job. You better be able to be self-sufficient because if anything were to go down, you don't wanna be in a position where you are struggling or you are homeless because you relied 100% on someone, which happens to be a man in this case, your husband, your boyfriend, whoever, and then now you are out of luck, right? So I think absentee fathers cause mothers to have to step up to be more masculine, to teach their daughters to be more masculine, because survival matters more than femininity. I need to be able to pay my bills, need to be able to provide food. And so that's secondary to me and what's primary will be survival. So I think that's one of the roots. And then secondly, I'm finding, in my opinion, that mothers are also babying their sons and so even though these single moms may have to step up and be more masculine in order to provide right and are teaching their daughters don't rely on a man and and provide for yourself they're not empowering their sons to necessarily be uh, as masculine as they need to be to learn how to lead and maybe it's because they don't have the capacity Uh, there's a lot of theory around there that says that only men can raise boys And like um, 100%, of course, women do it all the time. And of course, there are plenty of successful boys that come from a single mom, but really to have the best results should be both parents, especially a dad who's going to be involved in their son's life. So maybe it's a lack of ability, but I don't think that mothers either, either they don't have the capacity or they're not doing a good enough job, single moms on raising their sons in a way to teach them, don't be like your absentee dad. This is how you lead. You know, this is how you become independent and this is how you should treat women. And so now it becomes a cycle where these boys become men who are not being the masculine men that I think that society needs. And I'm not talking about toxic masculinity, I'm talking about healthy masculinity. It exists, right? So that we can have a, a, a community of people who can coexist together, where women can play their role. It doesn't mean a traditional role necessarily, but whatever your role or responsibility is in the household, along with a man so that we can have the best results. So to answer your question very quickly, cause I answered it in 30 seconds yesterday via video. Yeah. And that's why I got a lot of negative commentary because I didn't have the opportunity to really express it fully with you. It's a two way street, but a lot of it I think has to do with an um, absenteeism of masculinity, which forces women to play both roles.
1: Mm. So the question of femininity is really, it circles back to the question of masculinity
0: yeah I think it's like yin and yang right so when one is missing the other one is off balance and it becomes problematic
1: do you have an an idea it sounds like you have an idea you know how that can be fixed
0: actually I do not (laughs) I I I don't know on a large scale right like I don't know how do we teach our boys because again this goes back to the theory of maybe I'm just ill-equipped to teach boys, right? Mm-hmm. So I don't know how to how to end the cycle. How do we stop the cycle so that men, quality men, are teaching our boys how to be men, right? And then how do we stop the cycle that there are more men in the household, or at minimum, are, um, active parents, mm-hmm. right? So that they are in the position to then impact their boys. I don't. I know what the problem is, and generally speaking, the solution is we need more positive male influences particularly dads like you know the big brother program is decent right like you could be involved in some boys lives twice a week they come to your community center but it's not the same as having a father who is in the home mm-hmm. who is really there to reinforce the the morals and values of that family mm-hmm. so having dads ideally in the home and if they're not in the home that they are active dads and not weekend dads that have, get to have the good time there's no time you have to go to sleep, no time you have to wake up, no time to do it, right? Like not a weekend dad, while the mom is the, nine, the 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 24 hour, five days a week parent who has to be the asshole. That has to be, did you brush your teeth? Did you bathe? Where's your homework? Like They have to be the tough guy mm. while dad gets to go and throw a ball around in the park on the weekends. Like we need active dads who are involved seven days a week. Mm. How to get that and is arguable I don't have the answer, but I that I think that's what I think it is. I think it's a lack of masculinity that's forcing women to step up to play both roles.
1: Mm. So it comes back to family and also reinforcing the the need and sense the need for a sense of family. The man is there, the woman is there. Yes, absolutely. That's what I think. You, you talked on toxic masculinity. Do you believe that's a thing? I mean, yeah,
0: I think it exists. I think that um, and even though it's not spoken about, there's probably examples of toxic femininity. I think the reason why the phrase doesn't exist is because when you are part of a group that is not the reigning group, like the group that's in power, then those terms kind of don't work for you. Kind of similar to to race, right? Like by definition, the group who is the minority cannot be racist because they're not in a position of power Mm -hmm. to systematically hold or, or hamper anyone else, right? So- It's the same idea. Like, I'm sure that toxic femininity exists, right? There are some women who are overly feminine in whatever feminine traits you might define. So much so it becomes problematic. Is it systemic? I don't think so. So I think that toxic masculinity exists. I think that there's masculine and feminine. And then there are some men who have some of those characteristics and traits. And then they exaggerate it so much so that it becomes problematic. So much so that it becomes toxic. So what do I mean? Um, For example, I think something that, and I apologize because I'm not a man. So I apologize to anyone who says, how dare you try to define masculinity, but I'm gonna give an example. I would say one of the core elements of masculinity would be to protect and provide. That's a phrase that we say here in the US all the time. I don't know if it's an international one, but protect and provide, right? So if that is something that we use to define masculinity, men are supposed to protect and provide, and a man is providing, financially, but he does it so much so that he uses that money to control his wife. Mm. That would be toxic masculinity. He's taking a trait that is supposed to be positive. Mm. I provide for my family. I ensure that they have everything that they need, right? And that's healthy and I think that's healthy and beautiful. Mm. When you now take that trait and you take it to the extreme Mm. and it's, I am the one who provides for this family. I make all of the decisions around finances. Oh, you want to go out with your girlfriends? Well, I'm not giving you any money to go out with your girlfriends this weekend, and you will stay in the house and you will care for the children. And you're using it as a, a tool of manipulation and abuse. That's when it becomes toxic masculinity.
1: So, so toxic masculinity is is, is taking certain car- uh, traits of masculinity and make exuding it, making it extreme.
0: Yeah, to the extreme where it becomes problematic or abusive. Okay. That's how I define it. I've never Googled it. So there may be a better definition out there that I don't know, but that's just how I define it. Mm.
1: You mentioned helping men as well. So what do you help the men with?
0: So I would like to help them, but there's something about me (laughs) and it's okay. You know, there's an audience for every speaker. Mm -hmm. Um, I'd like to help them in the same way that I help women. I -hmm. think that men have similar complaints and they say that they can't find quality women. I don't know why, because I know so many, but because I'm in the circle of quality women, the way I would define quality, right? Mm -hmm. Um, I find that hard to believe, but they say they can't find it. So I wanna help them. And I will go through the same process with them as I would go through with women. What are you looking for? Mm -hmm. Do you have what you're looking for? Mm -hmm. What are some of the problematic traits that are about you that could be a turnoff to this good woman that you say that you want? Mm -hmm. How can we work on changing those behaviors so that you can attract the right people and repel the wrong ones. And then now we need to drop those walls that you've built, sit back and allow love to come into your life.
1: So you believe that the men and the women, they experience the same set of problems?
0: I do. Now, again, I don't know because of biology, right? I don't know how serious men are taking their search because no. at the end of the day, they are really not pressed for time. So when I hear the complaints of men, I'm not sure, when they say I can't find, I'd like to know how hard they're looking, mm-hmm. you know? I'm just not sure. Because when you're not pressed for time, you take you take your time, you take a stroll, right? Um, versus women who know and understand that they are pressed for time. And so they're going to be on their search and they're going to go online and they're going to go on YouTube and they're gonna hire a coach because they know that they don't time is of the essence. For men, where that's not the case, they say that they can't find a good one. I just don't know how earnestly, they're looking.
1: It, it, I mean, you you give so much to the community in terms of your content value. You're very open to giving as much as you can give. Is there anything you've not mentioned? Is there anything you've not given? You know, some philosophy, belief, or message around what you do that you've not mentioned yet?
0: That's a really good question. Um, directly related to what I do know. I actually feel like I'm running out of things to talk about (laughs) and it worries me because you know, when you're on social media and you're a content creator, the expectation is that you're cranking out content multiple times a day. Mm -hmm. So I don't think there's anything that's outstanding but the beautiful thing is, is as I follow other people, it gives me ideas. I never spoke about femininity or masculinity until last week. Mm -hmm. And those reels on Instagram and on TikTok are going and picking up. and I, to be honest with you, I can't remember what exactly sparked this idea to talk about it, but hopefully I continue to get these sparks and I share. But there isn't anything right now <laughs> that I can think of related to dating and relationships that um, I haven't spoken about. I know there is a, an opinion that I have in regards to child support okay. that I haven't shared yet. But it, it, again, it doesn't directly relate to what I do, which is to help people find a relationship. I'm not in the business of, right now, resolving uh, issues within couples, right? Like I've, I've worked with couples here or there, but where my real area of expertise is working with singles. Mm-hmm. So I really haven't dealt with couples too much. Mm-hmm. And I do have an opinion around child support. Um, What's that? So What's opinion? I think at least in the US and I can't speak around the child support systems around the world, there, there are some elements that are extremely problematic. Mm-hmm. Um, this idea of the non-custodial parent doesn't pay child support for X amount of time. And so in the U.S., they take away your driver's license um, as a punishment. And then it oh, then they eventually take away your passport. And then eventually you can go to jail, right, for not paying child support. Mm-hmm. Now, I understand wanting to punish the person who's not paying. Mm-hmm. That's reasonable, right? We, anytime you don't do what you're supposed to do, you, you're punished in mm-hmm. some form or fashion. However... I live in New York city. So traveling within the U S um, within New York is really easy. However, outside of New York city, you need a car to get from point A to point B. Hmm. So if we want the non-custodial parent to pay child support, how are they going to do that? If they can't get to work. Hmm. So taking away the driver's license is an impractical way of punishing, right? That's one element that's problematic. Another element in the U S and I'm not a lawyer, so I can only say like in the States I've heard of, Whoever signs the birth certificate is the person who's accountable um, for that child financially. So if we assume that the mother is the custodial parent and the father is the non-custodial, if that father signs the, child, the uh, birth certificate in some states hmm. and later finds out biologically that he's not the father, hmm. he is still financially bound to that child until the age of 18. Oh, wow. If you sign, if it's a legally binding document, you have declared that you are the legal father of this child. So biology does not matter. It's in a dad's best interest not to sign initially, honestly. I think that a DNA test should be given at birth for both parents, maybe upon exits, right? Just, yeah. to, just to make sure that babies weren't switched at birth for the mom and to make sure that that mom has been forthcoming to that potential dad. Mm-hmm. That should be a part of the birthing process. Mm-hmm. I think it would avoid a lot of fights, arguments, conflict, Dads don't have to worry about signing birth certificates because you took the DNA test. You know, it's your kid. Mm-hmm. Um, it would probably put Maury. I don't know if you're familiar with the talk show, uh, Maury Povich. Mm-hmm. You're not the father. It mm-hmm. would take him pro- It's a very famous show in the U.S. for the last like 25 years. He mm-hmm. does DNA tests every day. It probably put him out of business. Mm-hmm. But right. I think that's something that needs to be done. So that's in defense of dads mm-hmm. or non-custodial parents. Right. Mm-hmm. Most of the time being dads. In defense of of the custodial parent, which is usually the mom, there's this idea that really bothers me that men don't have a choice in regards to having children. Mm. Women have all the choices. They can choose to keep the baby. They can choose, right? Men have no choice and a woman makes a choice and now that man is stuck with that choice for the next 18 plus years. I think that men are missing out on the fact that they had 100% choice when they laid down and had that baby. Mm -hmm. Now, do women have more choices? Obviously, once they become pregnant and they find out that they're pregnant, in the U.S., they have up to six months to decide whether or not to abort that child, right? Um, And in some states, we're starting to lose those rights. Like in Mississippi, I think there's one abortion clinic left in the state or something. But relatively speaking, abortion is legal up to six months in the U.S., so do we do women have more choices? Yes, we have six months worth of choices, but it doesn't negate the fact that unless a man was raped and that's not the instance that we're talking about, every man had a choice when he went over to that woman's house, when he dropped his underwear, when he did not put on protection, when he decided to do the act that we are all aware of, I learned about how to make a baby, in school, formally in the 11th grade, and I and obviously I knew it for years before then. That was when you had your opportunity, mm-hmm. and I it, it very it frustrates me when men, some men, and this again, this is not everybody, when they talk as though they have no choice in the matter. Yes, you had a choice. You had a choice nine months ago. You made the wrong one. Mm-hmm. Now, yes, do you have less choices? Absolutely, but you had a choice you made that choice and now you're upset about the fact that you don't have more choices you had a choice let's Mm. acknowledge that because only from acknowledging that can we then make a change to say you know what i do have a choice and i'm going to be more mindful moving forward about who i lay with Mm. that's my spiel and then being mad about child support don't Mm. be mad you had a choice
1: you had a choice okay so is that why some of the fathers would not want to show up at the day? At the day of birth, you know, not to sign, not to sign on the certificate.
0: Yeah, I think men feel as though some men feel as though that their choices were taken from them, which is not the case. They had a choice. Mm-hmm. And so they don't want to be involved. They won't show up at the um the hospital. They won't sign, even though in some states, um, my understanding is that the mom can still put a father's name, mm-hmm. but the father can contest it because he wasn't the one who actually signed the document. Um, but nonetheless, yeah, that's why they they they're out, like they don't go to the the baby showers, they don't go to the hospital, they don't show up because they feel as though their choice has been taken from them and they never wanted that child. But you did because you understand biology, you know how babies are made, and you were a 50-50 participant in the activity that creates children. That was your time to make a choice and you made the wrong one.
1: Wow, Wow. so what I get is this, I get the passion. There's, there's a passion that comes and it goes beyond this is my line of work. This is what I chose to do because of COVID and everything. No, there was a passion there within the family, within relationships, within finding a partner, all of that for you. Where's that passion really coming from? The whole for the whole thing, there's a passion there. Where is it coming from?
0: That's a good question. I, I'm just a passionate person, I guess. <laughs> I mm-hmm. think I'm, if there were anything that we were talking about that I was knowledgeable about enough, I think that I would speak with the same fervor. but I I think it's just a part of my personality. My my dad said I should have been a politician, like age six, I I didn't follow through obviously. Mm -hmm. So um, I think that I've always just been a person where if there's an opinion that I have that's reasonable and logical, Mm -hmm. I want to share it with the world because it annoys me when I see people who are doing things that are illogical, that doesn't make sense. Mm -hmm. Take accountability. And make and create the life that you want. Don't blame everybody else for your mistakes. And then when you are unhappy because you don't have the life that you want, it's everyone else's fault. You can turn it around even today. Even if you're in a position today where you are unhappy, you can make the choices, analyzing yourself first Mm -hmm. to figure out what am I doing that's causing this? Yes, of course, there are other factors that are involved, Mm -hmm. but you play a part in your life. You are the most important player in your life. So what are you gonna do differently to combat all of these external forces that are causing you to be where you are so mm-hmm. that you can get to where you are and stop complaining and make life happen for yourself.
1: So when the, when people come to you, you know, what, what process, like, so what happens? So the, the person comes to you now, male, female. <laughs> female or, um, so they come to you and say, um, this is what I want. Like, what happens? What what what, what happens, what do they get?
0: Sure. So. How it works is that someone would find me online through interviews like this. Um, Usually they would follow me on social media, most active on Instagram. Mm -hmm. And I every day I invite people to book a call that's free. I invite them to watch a free training, to download a free ebook. And once they've come to the realization that they believe that I'm in a position to help them, they would book that call. Once we get on the phone, I ask them a series of questions to see where they are now in their romantic life and where they want to be. And if I think that they're a good fit for my coaching program, I invite them into the program and then we get started together.
1: Okay. Sounds, sounds, sounds very good. So they can always reach out to you directly on, um, on social media? Or... Yes.
0: Yes. I have a website that they can contact me through or any of my social media platforms.
1: All right. Thank you very much for coming today and sharing your message with the passion and vigor. It was great to have you.
0: Yes, thank you. It's a pleasure. Have a good one.
1: Yes.